evening again. You know, I got to say it a little bit earlier before we got to eat, but uh, welcome again to Boulevard Christian Church. My name's Ed. I'm one of the pastors here, and on behalf of everyone here at Boulevard, for those who don't call us home, I want to say welcome and thanks for coming out. I, you know, I always look forward to these events, getting together with men, and uh, just, uh, well, let's just face it, it's the food. <laughs> now, I think we still have some, don't we, Billy? So, dog for the road or something, you know? No? Oh, Ken, oh, wow, okay, can't eat the hot dogs. But, uh, you know, whatever's left, help yourself. But uh, this evening, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll... Uh, get into the text a little bit, but uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, I was actually sharing with Pastor Ken. I started out Monday working on this and thought I'd landed the plane on it, had it done. Then, uh, I don't know, maybe you guys, some of you guys I know are pastors, former pastors. You know, Wednesday comes, and for some reason I just uh, kept getting this like, nah, I think you need to go here thing, so I did. Started working on that, wrapped that up Thursday morning. Then as I'm sitting there going through my reading plan, I come to Galatians chapter 5, and God says, now I think this is what you're going to talk about, so that's what I did yesterday. Um, so for anybody who's ever done a sermon, I don't know if you've ever gone through that, but so it's been fun. <laughs> but I actually love this text because Galatians 5, we find Paul talking about running a race. I don't know how many of us have ever run a race. I mean, looking at a lot of us, present company included, we probably haven't done a whole lot of that. But a race is a great way to describe our life with Christ. And actually, Paul, throughout a lot of his letters, loves those sports metaphors. Find them in Corinthians and some of his others where he talks about the relationship between a race and living with Christ. And so I sat there and I started working through that and just reading through that and allowing you know, God to work through me. I just really started looking at that and I started really analyzing that because a race is no easy task. I don't know if everybody's ever tried to run the 26 point whatever miles it is that's actually in a marathon. I haven't, but I'm told that it takes discipline, that it takes training, it takes endurance, and it's a constant struggle with your mind and body as you have to fight through pain. So I don't know about you, but some of that seems to be a lot of what my Christian walk has been about, learning to discipline myself, training myself, enduring and sometimes even struggling with pain. So I find this text to really be applying to life. So if you have this word, and I hope you do, go ahead and grab it, or you can find a Bible underneath one of the seats in front of you, and we're going to take a look at the first half of Galatians chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You were severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. 
You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case... The offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, this evening. Thank you for this opportunity to come here as brothers and sisters from different churches and just to seek to be in your presence, in your house, Lord. And uh, Lord, we are so grateful for that. We're grateful for the food and the fellowship we got to enjoy. We're grateful for the worship that we got to experience as we prepare our hearts to hear from you. So, Lord, open our hearts to what you would have us here tonight and transform us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So another reason that I love this text is I knew I was going to be talking about men and we're going to be talking about circumcision. So it just seemed like a fun one to go for. But verse 1, we find Paul saying that we have been given freedom. And then we're told that we are to run in that freedom. I don't know how many have heard the term. I know I've heard it over the years. Christian freedom, that we have been granted Christian freedom through Christ. So what does it mean to be free in Christ? Well, we have a couple misconceptions about that. And we're going to take a look at those two misconceptions tonight. And the first one is, just as we see with Paul writing to the Galatians, that we have to do something to earn that freedom. What Paul is telling the Galatians and through the Bible, us, is that we have been set free from legalism. That we've been set free from having to do works to earn God's favor. See, Paul talks about forcing circumcision on the people. He's saying that you're telling them that they have to be circumcised as a proof of their salvation. And forced circumcision, as Paul says, is not going to earn God's favor. It's not going to demonstrate that you are, in fact, saved. And he's telling the Galatians and us today that nothing we do apart from Jesus Christ will ever earn God's favor. Now, chances are I'm not going to sit up here with a pair of scissors and say, all right, guys, come on up and let's prove our faith. 
But we do that. Patrick's actually going, huh. <laughs> but, um, but we do that. We do that as believers. We do that as a church. We s- sometimes we'll say, reading your Bible. That's how you demonstrate your faith. Praying. Praying is how you prove your faith. Serving the church. That's how you're going to prove your faith. Tithing. Tithing's how you prove your faith. But what we find Paul saying is that apart from Jesus, no matter what we do, even things of good intention will not earn God's favor. And in verse 9, Paul warns about the leaven that leavens the whole lump. He's giving a warning that legalism will spread through the whole body, that will spread through the whole church, and that will eventually run rampant as the church begins to say that you must do things to prove it. And we will actually come to the point where we believe that we are saved by those works rather than through Christ Jesus. But thankfully, Paul gives us the answer in another of his letters. And if you want to flip back to Romans 3, we're going to take a look at that. See, Paul actually tells us in Romans 3 that we have been justified by faith alone through Christ alone. And I'm going to pick up in verse 28 of Romans chapter 3. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So we're saved apart from works through our faith. And as we just heard from Paul, those who are circumcised are not justified because of their circumcision, but through faith. And likewise, Paul says that those who aren't circumcised, those that you are seeking to condemn, who don't do the things that you think that they should be doing, well, guess what? They're also justified through faith. Not by any standard that you want to put on them, but by the standard that God puts on them. Now, the flip side of this coin, you know, if we think we have to do something, the flip side of freedom is thinking that we don't have to do anything, that we can use our freedom as an excuse, that we can use it to excuse our behaviors. We can use our freedom to say, tell me if you heard this one, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Or once saved, always saved, so it doesn't really matter what I do. We think that once we've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we're good because we're going to heaven. But friends, we're not called to just believe the word of God. We are called to obey the word of God. Take a look back at Galatians 5, 5 and 6. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the hope of righteousness. 
righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You see, the gospel is far more than just some head knowledge. The gospel, to be honest with you, is completely useless if all it does is stay here. Until the gospel transforms our heart and moves that longest distance in the human body, that 18 inches from brain to heart, we're not truly ever going to live out the faith we were designed to live. Because we have been called to live by faith, not by works to earn God's favor, but through faith to work with God while God's spirit works through us. And we're called to live out our faith as an expression of our love and appreciation towards a holy and perfect creator. Again, not because of something we think we're doing to earn favor. Now, James chapter 2, a lot of us growing up in church are probably very familiar James talks a lot about this balance between faith and works. So I want to take a look at that, beginning in chapter 14, or uh, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace... Be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that, a, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called friend of God. You see, if that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out one by one. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. So as I said, faith, works, they work together. And works need to become an outpouring of our faith. We need to learn that we're not working for God. We are working with God and allowing God to work through us. And when we do that, Reading the Bible isn't a work. It's a way to get to know God and to know his will for our lives. And praying is not a work. 
It's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves and come before the creator of the universe and seek to know him more. And serving, serving isn't something that we do trying to earn favor in an effort to gain that salvation. Serving is an outpouring of that love that God first demonstrated when he sent his son Jesus Christ to come and die for us. Tithing isn't a work. You're not ever going to receive favor from God through tithing until you get to the point that you do it out of a response to everything God has given you. You see, we don't say that we can do whatever we want. We can live however we want. We have to do this, do that. It's not about that. It's about coming to an understanding that we have been forgiven so much. That God has loved us unconditionally. And that he sent his son Jesus to come and die. Not just so that we can be forgiven, but that we can have new life. And that spirit can dwell in us and through us. So that we don't just look at this as a book full of rules as something to be lived out of fear, but as an opportunity to serve and obey the creator of the universe. And finally, Paul, he says that we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And again, not as a way to earn favor, but as a way to demonstrate God's great love for us. As you see, we have been set free from the power of sin so that we can show others what it means to be free in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much again for being able to come into your presence and just to sit in your house and to be with you. God, I, for one, am uh, so thankful that this Christian walk doesn't rest on me. Because I know if it was up to me, I'd find a way to mess it up. Now, Lord, I'm sure there's not a person here tonight that can't say the same thing, Lord. Lord, you knew that. You knew that from day one. When we fell from grace, when Adam and Eve turned away from you and you initiated the sacrificial system and rule after rule after rule, 613 just in the books of Moses, 600 laws to be kept to bring us to a point where we say, I can't do it. It's what you what it is designed for to let us know that we can't keep the law on our own. But God, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for loving us unconditionally that you provided the only path available for our salvation. That you sent your son Jesus Christ to come to this earth to live among us to help us to understand you, as his prayer said in the garden, that we might be one as you and he are one, Lord. 
that is our heart's desire, to have that relationship with you that we truly feel like one. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And thank you for the gift of eternal life, which is Jesus Christ, that others may come to see your great love for them through us. Lord, give us those opportunities. And we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know most of you come from a church, but be remiss if I didn't say, if you haven't gotten to the point where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't come to the point where you realize that you can't do it on your own, I'd invite you to come up and be happy to talk to you about what it means to truly follow the Savior of the world. And on behalf of Boulevard Christian Church, I want to thank everybody for coming. And I look forward to seeing you guys in a few months. Go in peace.